Welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves. And then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. It's a great blessing to catch up with this gentleman. Many of you know him and his wife, Denise, as the founders and creators of Catch Up Productions and have been active in the ministry for about 20 years, already creating Catholic music and resources that have proven to be classics for families, schools, and churches all across North America. Uh, Now based in Saskatchewan, he is a family man. He's got five children. He's got two grandchildren now, and he is our brother in Christ, Gerald Montpetit, welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, David, for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Well, Gerald, I, I got to share just a quick story with you, too. I, I was thinking about this the other day. You and I both spent uh, various times in Radway, Alberta. And uh, maybe you can touch base on, on a little bit of your time in Radway. It's, uh, it's a special place for a lot of Catholics, and especially in Western Canada. There used to be a, a small Bible school there. And a lot of us had connections in one way or another there. I was blessed to be on a missionary team that I know you're familiar with called Behold the Lamb. And uh, and I was, I know I'm starting to date you and I, Gerald, and maybe uh, uh, giving away our age a little too much. But uh, this was back, you know, probably late 90s. And uh, joined the team and there's about, you know, 10 or 12 of us living, 12 of us, I guess, living in a, in a big house. And we got on the road and we were we were ministering to various churches, parishes, schools, and doing missions with the Oblates as well. It was it was a great year. But right at the beginning, I remember we all went to your house, yours and Denise's house, and you guys were so hospitable to us. I, okay. I want to say that it was steak and caviar. We'll we'll stick we'll that that'll be the the meal that we had for this story. <laughs> but it was so good and, and I remember you had uh, I think a couple of your little ones already by then, but they were quite young. And uh, but I just remember it just left a, a yeah, great impression yeah. on me. We all came over uh, you, you were both so hospitable to us, and we had a great meal and, and a great chat afterwards. Wow. Having you guys come over, I, I somewhat remember that. And Denise and I were just so excited that we we were – part of our vision for being in Radway was for our kids to experience young people like yourselves. So having your team over, knowing your mission and your, your desire to serve God through outreach, um, that spoke to our children. So – that was part of the culture we wanted to create in Radway was uh, a culture where kids could see uh, youth alive in the faith. And Radway was definitely a place for that. Um, having gone into school in 93, or sorry, when was that? 91, 92. Um, I experienced firsthand what the school and what God had done in my own life. So uh, it was an exciting place to be at the time and, and uh, seeing other young people, coming year after year, you know, we lived there, I think it was close to 10 years. Um, our family got to experience life in the spirit through these kids and the transformation that happened. And, and, uh, it, it was an exciting time to see God work in that little humble place of Radway. Yeah, it's outstanding. And, and unfortunately the, the Bible school no longer exists there, but, uh, you know, it's, it goes to show that even 
things that go on a, on a brief run, Gerald, you know, in the grand scheme of things, whether that's a year or 20 years, uh, the seeds of faith can be planted yeah. very deeply with people. And, and it was for myself and uh, my older brother, Joe, uh, he was a, a, a student, I believe, in 1987 or 88. So hard to believe there's actually guys before you, Gerald, that went there, but it's true. <laughs> but I know I've been exposed to that uh, place since I was, uh, you know, a very, very young uh, young boy. I guess I was probably seven years old then. So, uh, But then you see what, you know, folks like yeah. you're doing now, Gerald, you and, and Denise, and you're still... Uh, you know, active in church ministry and your children are, are carrying on that legacy of faith. So that's, that's so good. So I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, maybe just your beginnings, Gerald, like where, when did the Catholic faith become really alive to you and, and when did it become a big part of your life? Oh, that's a neat question because uh, yeah, you know, what's, what's really cool is every one of us has a story and and what i'm starting to realize more and more is that every day is an opportunity to write a new chapter and that chapter may last for a few days may last for you know a week or two and the chapters in my life have been truly uh, a gift uh, the lord has done some amazing things and the journey that started me off in in a relationship with christ was a blind date um i went on a blind date uh with a friend of mine who set me up and he brought me to an evangelical church and being brought up Catholic and quite faithful, but just a Sunday practicing Catholic, my parents instilled a great virtue in me. Um, but I didn't have that relationship and that, that desire to live a life in the spirit that I didn't even really know about. So this blind day brought me to a, an evangelical youth group. And it was there I first experienced other youth my age alive. In Christ and uh, it started to stir within me a desire for that so after being there two three years I dated a, a, a Pentecostal girl we were getting quite serious and I was at a turning point my parents were praying the rosary daily for me and I was about to leave the Catholic faith um, and my sister by the grace of God and uh, actually Ernie Chauvet was one of the founders of, of JP2 uh, by somehow God's providence, they challenged me to go to Radway to learn more about my history of, of, the, of the Catholic Church, the history that uh, I've been taught, and to go deeper. So I ended up breaking up with this girl and took a year, went to Radway, and that was the turning point um, where I saw the fullness of truth. And then from then, after uh, near the end of Bible school, I ended up uh, re, uh, connecting with my neighbor, uh, Denise, who we grew up together, but each God had us on each on separate journeys. So, uh, so shortly after we were married and just discerning what's next Lord for our lives. So that was uh, an interesting time, uh, to discover and learn what the next chapter of our life would look like as a couple. Did Denise, did she also go to Bible school, Gerald or no? No, she didn't. No, she experienced quite a few students. Her parents actually you know, had one of the students stay at their place and really influenced Denise when she was younger. So there was always some kind of a, you know, a thread there of, uh, of the Lord putting people in our paths to change us. And I think he's done that with all of us. There's always somebody of influence who, who has steered us in a direction that God's calling us to. So, so being attentive to that is, is so important in these chapters of our lives. Well, who is God putting in my path? Am I listening? You know, that's part of, I think, um, we practice as, as Christians is to 
be attentive. What does God want to show me right now? And, uh, and it's neat how these chapters start to evolve and change. And uh, he brings us on that path to holiness that he's calling us to through the people we meet, uh, our spouses, our kids. So uh, it's an exciting journey, ups and downs. And, you know, that's, that's part of the journey is, is those trials that come to us. If we can see them as opportunities for growth that, uh, that we can truly learn and experience what God wants to show us through, through these times. And even just going to Protestant congregation, I guess it still had that, the opportunity was there and you took that opportunity to maybe gain a little bit more knowledge, maybe a little bit more of a relationship with Christ, even though it wasn't through the Catholic church, but there was certainly that, mm. that call there. There was that, there was an opportunity. And like I said, in the spiritual life, there's never any coincidences, are there, Gerald? I mean, there's always a reason for that. And I remember even when I was oh, younger, so you know, Protestants taught me a lot about uh, learning the Bible, uh, memorizing scripture verses, memorizing the books of the Bible. And even as I got into high school, being challenged on my faith got me to look into the catechism of the Catholic Church, got me to look at scripture. And when I found those answers, it was like, hey, this is really great. This is true. This is being a Catholic. The, the answers are all here for me. I can feel confident enough to answer these questions when they come up. So It's so, it's so exciting to receive the knowledge and that grace and the when we're awakened in our Catholicism, man, it's exciting to want to share uh, with others because, you know, my knowledge that I gained through this Protestant, this Pentecostal church of scripture really gave me a love uh, for, for evangelicals because I worked for 10 years in the audio industry and, and I was amidst all these evangelical churches. Part of my job was a system technician for, uh, low voltage security and putting in, uh, you know, audio for these mega churches. And I was so excited to share the Catholic faith, the Catholic faith with them. And they had never encountered that before. And when truth is spoken with joy and love and, and love for our brothers and sisters, it awakens within them that God is truly working in the Catholic church. Cause they, you know, the majority of them think that we're a bit off offside. So, so that, like you shared how you, your desire to learn what the Catholic Church truly teaches, it gives us this fire within us. And it's, it's the fire of the Holy Spirit that he gave and founded the church that he wants us to share with others. And that's part of the mission that Denise and I were praying about. How do you want us to, to, uh, to further this mission you called us on, Lord, as disciples? And, uh, you know, at the time, Denise was teaching in the schools, and she just had a hard time finding Catholic resources to, to share with her kids. She was teaching religion to elementary kids. So, and in the, in the background, music has always been a part of my life. I was starting to write uh, songs, not knowing what they were for. And uh, we just kept praying, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? So Denise just challenged me. She said, why don't you come to my school, sing some of your songs you're right, you're, you've written. And, uh, and after experimenting and doing that a, a couple times at our school in Vermilion, where we were living at the time, it was exciting to see these young kids come alive with these songs. So we started discerning, how can we make this uh, something that we can reach more people with, more kids and families? And that's when Catch At, the seat started to, uh, to unfold. So we just... Uh, we decided to start with an audio series at the time. We did uh, six audio shows that teach the basics of the faith. And, uh, and that took about 
well, probably four years to finish the series. And we saw the fruits from them. Ascension Press had picked them up and were distributing them in the U.S. and, and beyond. And we were just so blessed to see uh, God use these, these CDs. And that was the, the beginning of Cat Chat, where, where we started to uh, make the faith come alive for kids and families and saw how God was using it. So that was an exciting time for us. Uh, you know, one thing led to the next, how the Lord started us uh, doing uh, vacation Bible school programs, which is probably how we've reached the most kids over the years, um, which was so neat to see without us having to travel so much. And uh, I got I to gotta say, doing concerts, when, when we started doing concerts for families and churches and schools, man, we, I had a friend say, you know, you got to take Cash Hat on the road. And I panicked because I did not want to do that. So I wrestled with God for probably six months saying, Lord, I, I don't want to do this. And the reason for that is I'm such an introvert and I had lots of fears. Um, although I did ministry in public, you know, playing uh, guitar and doing worship, I was always the side guy. I was never a front man. So for me to jump in the front to start leading uh, kids and families was terrifying for me. And the Lord was very strong. And he said uh, in my heart, if you don't do this, I'm going to raise somebody else. I'm calling you to reach hundreds of kids and thousands with the gifts I've given you. Don't be afraid. So I sucked it up. I started, uh, we wrote a script for our first concert and we did the concert uh, at Family Life Conference. I'm not sure if you remember, but it was in 2000. 2005 and I was backstage I have never been so afraid in my life as that first concert I was terrified and the fears I had were just the enemy putting lies into me and uh, so when I stepped out and said hello everybody everything dropped and I just felt an anointing and I knew God was in this Uh, so beautiful so I think a message for all of us is that when we have fears and God's calling us to something uh, jump into it. And when you sense that it may be God, but you're just too afraid, jump in and, and God's going to use you in amazing ways. And that was a catalyst for us. I believe that's one of your, isn't one of your songs? Uh, I think that's the theme of one of the songs. Is it not Gerald that you wrote uh, uh, jumping in? Yeah, that's right. There's, there is a song called jump in. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's part of the, the message is to jump in to the the life of faith and to the sacraments and allow God to truly change us. So, yeah, I encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling with something out there that God may be calling you to just give in and, uh, and, and abandon yourself and just see how God's going to work. And it's, it's part of the adventure he's calling us all on. There's always so many fears that stop us from experiencing great adventures that God has for us. And, and uh, I know I probably miss some opportunities because of fear, um, but let's, let's try and take those opportunities to, uh, to live that adventure that he, that he really has for us. You know, I always tell Ger- people, Gerald, that, that being a Catholic is such a joy. It's, it's, um, to use the mm. word fun in a, in a worldly sense would, would not do it justice. If that makes any sense to you, <laughs> yeah. because having fun is, you know, you know, you go to an amusement park or, or, or you go down a water slide. Okay. That's a lot of fun, right? Uh, going to a hockey, a playoff game or something. I know you like hockey too. That's a lot of fun, but joy is, is that step that's 10 times higher than that. And what I find even amongst our, our fellow Catholics, and it's sad to see is that 
to live a, a truly sacramental life, to be on fire for Christ, to be sold out for Jesus and to follow his will, there's a fear that somehow that relationship is going to take something away from you, that you're going to be sad, that you're mm-hmm. going to be missing out on something. I don't know what, but something. But w- what is it like? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've already kind of told the story, Gerald, but to say that yes to God, to follow his will, um, even though it, it can really, it can break us in a lot of ways too. It makes us feel vulnerable, insecure. Those are, that's the evil one telling us that, mm-hmm. right? So getting past that, following God's will and being open to that, does that take anything away from us, Gerald, in our, our walk or how does it, how does it enrich your life? How does it make it so much better? Well, I think, I think for, for me, how it's always worked is God's always challenged me to listen to him, to live a life in the spirit by practicing what uh, I sense he's saying. And it's in the little things, the, the smallest little things. Um, you know, I was, I was uh, doing a job at Grant McEwen in Edmonton at a college there, and I was installing all the, all the low bolter security and the, and the, uh, the audio there. And I was ha- and I was practicing living a life in the spirit. And I think that's the journey we're all on. And I sensed the Lord telling me, put your lunch, don't have your lunch today. I want you to give it to the next person you see by the bus stop. I'm like, what Lord, are you serious? Is this? So I took a chance. I said, okay, Lord, this is what practicing living a life in the spirit's about. I'll, I will listen. So I went in my car, I parked my car in the parking lot so I could see this, this bus stop and nobody was showing up at the bus stop until about uh, 1220. I was taking my lunch at 12. I wasn't eating my lunch. I'm like, this is absurd, Lord, I'm starving. And uh, this person started walking towards the bus stop and I knew that was the person I had to give my lunch to. And I let that person walk by. I didn't do it out of fear, out of thinking that it wasn't God. I just allowed this person to walk into the bus stop and then they walked out, which was ironic. They didn't wait for the bus. And after pondering this, it was totally the Lord setting this person up for me and I disobeyed. And it was a lesson for me that when we take risks on what the Lord's calling us to do, it starts to become an adventure, like you say. And then that's when the fun begins. I was living with somewhat, you know, I had to, I had regret. I was like, oh man, how am I ever going to live this out, Lord? But when I started taking risks and, and uh, practicing and actively doing what I sense the Lord's calling us, calling me to, that's when the fun begins. And I'd rather fail trying to do God's will than fail not doing it and saying no. So I think that's a constant battle for me every day. It's not something I've definitely conquered. It's, it's, it may be the simple fact that I need to go ask my wife for forgiveness on just a simple thing I may have offended her with. Those are living a life in the spirit. And when we actively pursue the little moments, God gives us bigger moments so we can easily say yes uh, to the bigger ones. So I think we're like kids. He's constantly calling us to obey the little things so we can do the big things. Yeah, I love using sporting analogies, Gerald. You know, I'm a big baseball fan uh, in particular. And you think of of who you see on TV and the guys that, that, uh, you know, can hit 300 and hit the home runs. Um, I, I've heard all kinds yes. of statistics of how many times they actually go in the batting cage and, and hit balls and practice. Um, and then the ratio of how many hits they get in a real game. And, uh, I've heard it could be anywhere Isn't between 500 to one to a thousand to one. So imagine for every, every wow. thousand hits that you're, you're practicing, only one of them actually happens in the game. 
the other 999 happen in practice <laughs> and nobody ever sees them. Right. So true. And, uh, and those are, so I, true. I, I, I love how you mentioned just ministering to your wife and, and for us men too, and our, us husbands, those small things, cause we're, we're called to a vocation of marriage, you know, and, and, you know, these are mm. vows that we take and, and, uh, you know, living a sacramental life, it's so important to stay close to the Eucharist and confession. I do want to ask you about that a little bit later as well, but when we're in living mm-hmm. in a, in a mm-hmm. Christian marriage and we have children, um, how we treat each other and how we minister to each other is a part of the sacramental life as well. And if we can get those little things right at home and with our kids and with our wives, mm. uh, that's, it's, it's just bound to overflow into our lives, whether we're at work or we're doing our, our recreation and leisure with others. Um, those things are bound mm-hmm. to happen, aren't they, Gerald? If we can get it right at home with our own, first with ourselves or our own lives, our own spiritual lives, but if we can get all that right that with our families, um, yeah, inevitably good fruit's going to come from that, right? So true, so true. I think when we can, the quicker we can recognize that our spouse is a team member and not an opponent, um, you know, and when we can recognize that God has, not always, but usually typically God gives us a spouse who's opposite to us. It's not always, but but I know for our marriage, it's, Denise and I are, are totally different. And it's taken a while to for us to recognize that we can't try and change each other, make each other like us, but that we've discovered that the gifts that he's given each of us was the catalyst for our ministry. It was the catalyst for raising our kids. Denise's gift of organization, her gift of um, being intentional uh, and following through with, with family traditions, following through with habits that we've created with our kids, man, she, that's her gift. I'm more the artsy type, so I can be a little flaky at times. I can be scattered. I'm very creative. And, uh, and that part is what basically brought, you know, music to catch at and the creativity to it. So, so when we recognize that, wow, we could actually be a team here. Why don't we start using our gifts together? Uh, it's not easy because, you know, you're fighting warfare for one thing. And also because the enemy does not want marriages to succeed and we're constantly fighting that battle but the sacraments and and living that life in the spirit and practicing saying yes to the little things in our marriage will truly make a difference so it, it's always a battle and that'll go on for forever we've been married 28 years and i gotta say and denise has said the same that our 25th and 26th year of marriage was one of our hardest and, and part of that, I think, is the Lord was just refining us. He was showing us that we got, we got to go deeper. And that's the call. Uh, if we're called to holiness and the spouses he gives us are that, that tool if we want to recognize it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful way if we abandon ourselves to God. Um, our marriages can become so exciting and, and such a... Uh, such a blessing to work together with the spouse that God's given us. And, and you know, the evil ones coming after those sacramental marriages, right? There's, and there's, let's, let's call it for what it is. Mm. There's fewer and fewer sacramental marriages. You know, even our Holy Father said, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, marriages that, uh, that aren't that pleasing to God. And, and that makes a, a lot of sense. You know, mm. it's, um, uh, it's, it's a trying time to be, to be a Catholic, to be married it's really a, a countercultural thing, isn't it, Gerald? So, 
Now, so you guys have been married for 20, that's, that's outstanding. 28 years, got the five kids. So that's, (laughs) I want to ask you about going on the road. You mentioned that earlier. I know that that was a a hurdle that, that was put in your way, but once you, you cleared that with the, by the grace of God, you you go on the road. The one neat thing I think, and I I, want to get your thoughts on this is to, to be in ministry for the Lord, to do it with your wife is, is great, but to have your kids with you and do it with them. You go on the road. Tell us about the adventure of, of going on the road with, with your whole family and, uh, and ministering to others as, as a team. Wow. <laughs> I can't tell you how much of a blessing that was. Um, you know, we were on the road uh, typically for almost five months of the year. We'd leave for roughly two months in the spring, and we'd tour uh, mostly the U.S. and a bit of Canada, and then we'd come back for the summer and leave again in the fall for another two months or so. So we lived in a motorhome, nine of us for uh, half of the year almost. And some, what most people call this crazy. And, uh, but being on the road for a family, it did so much. Uh, One of the things I think that when you have a common vision as a family, um, no matter what that is, maybe it's a family farm, maybe it's a, you know, a ministry, when you give your kids purpose and you give your kids responsibility and what we found is when they had a role to play, they saw that they were a part of something and they saw lives being changed when they did concerts. They saw kids, you know, coming to talk to them and asking them about prayer spots and, and their faith and, and just having fun with them uh, and relating with our kids really inspired young kids to pursue that journey of faith. And what we saw ourselves as are, we we just sowed seeds, you know, we trusted God would do the rest, um, but we sowed seeds wherever we were asked to go. And uh, those seeds of faith and encouraging the kids in the Catholic faith and making it come alive through our concerts, our kids and us, that was a real bonding agent. And to this day, our kids are my best friends and, and the kids are their best friends. And that's only by the grace of God. Um, they've had to work through things. They've had to work through tough times. And, and uh, you know, but we always were very, Denise and I were very strict on respecting each other as siblings. And it wasn't until Denise and I would practice with our kids, uh, asking them for forgiveness when we messed up. When we encouraged them, um, we saw them come alive. And the gifts they were using while on tour, it was spectacular. And and it was totally God's grace. Like when he calls you to do something, there's grace there to do it. And we were always excited about going on the road. I was usually the least excited because it was so demanding on me. Um, you know, from driving the motor home to repairing the motor home, to setting up for concerts, to doing the concerts, to gear breaking down, meeting people. It was, it was trying for me, but it was the most awesome experience of my life when we were on the road and we did that for you know close to uh you know we started in 2005 and our last concert here before covid was was uh was the october before covid hit um but yeah what a gift it was it built our family relationship like i never would have ever dreamed and we were able to do it reaching reaching family so what a gift that was i'm totally grateful to god that was his doing for sure 
Oh, that's so great. I can only imagine, you know, when we have our little vacations, we've gone camping or we've taken vacations to to other parts of Canada or the United States, uh, you know, we still talk about those vacations, you know. <laughs> but uh, and I know some of our yeah, favorite yeah, parts, yeah. Gerald, too, and it's amazing. I think this is a good message for, for our listeners is that um, we always try to make a point to go to the the Catholic cathedral of the area, a, a basilica or something. We went to Hawaii a few years ago and um, we got to see St. Damien. Uh, his, his relics out in, uh, in Honolulu. Nice. And that's something the kids still bring up. That was one of their favorite parts was yeah. to see that. So I can, and, and you know, you go for a, wow. a couple of weeks, a year nice. of vacation. You guys were going for five or six months. I wouldn't call it a vacation, but I'd certainly call it a road trip. That's for sure. So that's, that's awesome, Gerald. I, I, uh, I was always, yeah. I always wanted to ask you that and what it meant to, to be with your kids that whole time. It must've been uh, and, such a great uh, blessing. And you know what, what you're saying, same, David, when you're on holidays, part of the, you know, the dad and the, and the, and the mother of the parents is anytime you're on a holiday is to try and find a shrine, find where faith is active and alive and go there. And, and the kids, it, it, it becomes no longer a holiday, but a retreat. It becomes a pilgrimage. And, and we often shared with our kids that this is a pilgrimage. This is a journey that we're on to help us grow into becoming saints and to help others on the way. And, uh, and that's the whole thing of these chapters in our lives. We're trying to emphasize, you know, what's the next chapter going to look like? You know, we've, we've slowed down with concerts now and uh, Denise and I are grandparents. It's a new chapter for us. You know, we started, uh, we had two marriage conferences. Denise and I uh, started the Breathe Catholic Marriage Conference and we had two of them before COVID hit. We had one in, in Saskatoon and one in Vancouver area. And the whole, you know, uh, chapter that we're unfolding here is helping marriages and encouraging marriages in these, in these challenging times. So that's that's another area of our of our mission. I think God is starting to unfold. Um, so yeah, so if, if we can just see our lives of chat as chapters, and what is the chapter God has us in right now? Let's let's make it a great one. Let's make it a chapter that people want to read and observe because we're all being watched. We're all being witnesses of the gospel. And, uh, and these chapters that we're writing with cooperation with God can be exciting. And, uh, and it's usually the hardest times that make for a great chapter. You know, if you watch a movie, it's always some kind of huge, you know, uh, devastating thing that happens to the main character. But in the end, it's always been, it's always redeemed. It's always a hopeful story and that's where God has us no matter what the trial or how deep we are in in struggle it's part of our story that God wants to use to raise us up to him and to to inspire us to get through that to, to, to seek him with the courage he wants to give us to get through these hard times because that's just part of the story Jesus's passion was not easy it was not beautiful it was part of the story and that's how we can relate in our own struggles as these chapters we're in we may be in the passion or we may, we may be in the resurrection. You know, those seasons in our lives are, are there for a reason. And, and it's just, if we can see it as a journey and, and the chapter we're in, it's exciting. God is writing a story in each of our lives. Yeah. Before we can experience Easter Sunday, we got to go through Good Friday. Um, I've heard that several times and it, it makes a lot of <laughs> yeah. sense. I'm glad you mentioned that people are watching Gerald. That, that is, um, profound. We had, uh, uh, Dr. Jason West from uh, Newman Theological College, he joined us on a recent podcast and uh, he, he mentioned that before he became a Catholic, he one of the things that 
that drew him to the faith was he wasn't a Catholic at all. He was starting to become interested in becoming a Catholic, but he attended a mass. And he said just the, the way that the parishioners were going up to receive communion touched his heart. And uh, I thought, and you know, he, he didn't get into it too deeply, but I thought just something as simple as that. And then I thought, how do we approach going to mass? What is our disposition when we attend church? And of course, Jesus is watching. He knows, he knows us very well. He knows our interior. And that's, uh, that can be a little bit of a scary thing, but you know, how we present ourselves at mass, how we present ourselves to the community we don't know who's who shows up at church. We don't know who who's watching on the sidewalk or who we we we're at with at work or at play. Um, boy, it's so important for us to always have that in the back of our head is that somebody is watching us all the time. And you know, a lot of people think that you know being a Catholic it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but when you're a Catholic, you, you are held to a higher standard. You just are. The world knows it. The world knows that Catholic what Catholics believe. And I always say, you know, especially when you get politicians that get up and say something that's contrary to traditional marriage or to the Catholic Church's belief on abortion, they know that that's wrong. They know that that's not what Catholics yeah. believe. Yeah. They might applaud it and try to encourage yes. it to create confusion and division, but they know that's not that's not what Catholics believe. And I think that that's a, a great gift of our church is that there is, it's black or white for us. And... Um, you know, I always, I, I love the uh, the thing that you did with your kids and it was part of Cat Chat is having prayer spots or prayer corners. And I just think it's so important for our kids to see that, uh, you know, that they're watching us, I guess is the point I'm making. Kids are watching us and if we can be that example to them, because kids watch each other too. And, you know, nothing that's uh, sadder to me too, Gerald, than, than seeing, you know, so many kids will, will show up for first communion class or first reconciliation, but then you never see them in church again. You know, their parents never take them again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes through some of the, the schools yeah, and so. some of the Catholic schools, you see the kids actually want to go to mass, but their parents don't take them. Yeah, that's that's such a huge thing. I remember having a prayer spot. This was back years ago when our kids, we only had two at the time. And uh, our two-year-old, uh, at the time, Dominic came to my where I was praying. So I was just it was in a closet, and and he said, "Dad, what are you doing?" Uh, you know, he's get, squeezing out the words, and I said, "It's it's my prayer time. See, I'm having a time with Jesus." And he asked to join me, and I said, "Come on in." Just and he just sat there, and I just pretended he wasn't there, and I just entered back in. And what I noticed is, if we that was the beginning of our kids will become who we are in a sense, um, by example. Uh, we are reflections in our kids and our kids reflect uh, their parents. And just as we are called to reflect the love of the father, the more we do as fathers and, and mothers in the home, the more our kids will pick up. Um, our kids are, are sponges, especially when they're young. And so that was a high calling for me saying, oh my gosh, the times that I failed, uh, as an example, and a witness, I had to ask my kids for forgiveness, saying, look, what dad did here was not good. Do you, uh, do you forgive me? I, I want to change that habit, bad habit I have, and I need your help. So we're going to do this together. And if you have a bad habit you want, you want help with, dad's here to help you. So that humility to ask for forgiveness and to go to God and teach them that, our witness is so important. And 
you know, although so many families see us as in the limelight in the sense of our concerts on EWTN and they watch our shows, that's important. But what's more important, like you said, it's, it's the trenches. It's in your family life. Uh, the, the church within the home, that's where you practice. That's, that's the, uh, the training sessions. And when you're out in public, that's where you need to shine. And we can't shine what we don't have. So these habits of prayer and prayer spots that we've always fostered in the ministry, we have to live that. And our kids have made that a habit now in their own lives. They have their morning prayers. I'm so grateful by the grace of God. They're all committed in the faith still. Um, and, and that a habit gets formed uh, and it starts at a young age. And, you know, the, you go through times where it's not as the habit may slip away, but that's always God pulling us back to what we essentially know. So you're right. Being a witness and being a light at Home Depot, being a light at Safeway, those are where it counts. And so many times my wife reminds me, honey, you're being watched. And uh, I had an experience. I had to go for a, a colonoscopy about five or six years ago. And it was, you know, it's always a humbling place. I'm on the table, uh, you know, I'm lying sideways and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm exposed. And then the lady who's helping the doctor says, hey, aren't you the catch at man? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so humbling. And I, I, I joked to her and I said, actually, no, no, that, that's my brother. <laughs> and then she started to laugh. Hey, at least I didn't bring the pre-med students in. Hey, it's the catch-up man here. Oh my gosh! So, so that was an opportunity again, and everyone said, "Who's the cat? Who's what's catch-up?" And this is on, you know, in the middle of my procedure. So she starts sharing about what we do, and it was a time of evangelization. So God uses us in, in the funniest of ways, and and you're right. We're always being, we always got to be ready and attentive to give the answer that God wants us to give. And I don't remember the scripture, but that's so important. To, to, to listen to what God wants us to say in these moments. And God does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? Just to, he can pull us back into the, the humble pie line <laughs> and still get a, a chuckle out of it. And we can look back Isn't and, and see how much he loves us at that. Right. So, so you, you get this, the call to, to oh, EWTN, uh, to, to do some filming and to, to make, uh, you know, like, like a production to release to really to the world, Gerald, you know, EWTN is such a, such a blessing in the church. I, we have it on in our home all the time, and it's always great to see a familiar face in, in you, Gerald, uh, and, and your family coming on and, and doing these great mm. programs for kids. But um, what was that like to, to get uh, that opportunity to go on EWTN? Because you, you, there's only so many places the motorhome will take you, right? And to, um, you know, to, follow, yeah, to, to look back true. on the journey and say, you know, following God's will and to have your children and your wife and just having the, this family experience and getting TWTN where this message, this yes to God that you and your family gave could now be um, given and shared to, to the entire Catholic world. What was that like for you? Well, well, it was, it was one step at a time. You know, we, we, uh, we were on tour and we decided just to go visit uh, EWTN. And then next thing we know, you know, we phoned them saying, you know, we're coming in, we're this family ministry. They didn't, I don't think they knew anything about us. And, and then they did some research on us and saw that, you know, we were a Catholic family doing concerts for kids and had some BBS programs. And, and uh, so they set up a meeting right away when we got there, they said, we want you to meet with, uh, you know, 
the vice president and there was four other people in the room and and they just started asking us questions about our vision for life uh what you know what our expectations are and then they finally asked if you were to do a program on here would you be open to, to doing it as a family and we said well we think so we're not sure what that all entails what does that all mean so that was the beginning of dialogue and then a, a real step in faith because uh, that's that was a big deal for us it's a lot of work and we didn't anticipate the amount of work it would be but the first thing they needed was kind of a demo of what we saw the program looking like and we you know being in ministry was a very financially straining time uh and we we needed some seed money to make a demo video so we wanted to get a camera and so forth and out of the blue, a, a very gracious couple from Alberta gave us a $10,000 donation out of the blue. And we were just shocked because we normally didn't run our ministry on donations. We ran it through the resources we provided and the services and the ministry we did. So that was an unbelievable gift for us. And we saw God's hand in it. So we, we, we ended up purchasing some, some equipment and we, uh, we were able to make this demo for them that they were very excited about. And then we ended up going out there for our first season of filming uh, after about eight months of preparation. Uh, and then we filmed the first season and it went off very well. It was such a neat experience being there. Um, they were so welcoming. They gave us a house to stay in during the filming time. And it was intense work, yet it was so enjoyable. Uh, the culture there was awesome. Uh, the people we were meeting were awesome. And we were a breath of fresh air because they didn't have young families coming in typically. So our kids are very funny, a lot of fun. So that was so exciting for the cameramen and for the whole production team to experience uh, the fun that we had as a family. And then season two was a whole other divine providence because I had no more songs. I used all my songs in season one. So they said, well, we want new content and new songs. Well, I said, well, we, it's, that's pretty hard because I have to write new songs and production on each song is very expensive. You know, we, it costs typically, anyways, it was very, very expensive budget to do that. And they said, well, what if we found some money for you to do that? So we as a family prayed and discerned together. The kids were on board. We all said, all right, let's, let's do this. So I only had, uh, I had three actually three and a half months to write 24 songs and to bring them into production and have them ready for EWTN by the, the end of the four months. And I was, I was like, I, God, this has to be you That's because incredible. this is not going to happen. Yeah. So by the grace of God, friends of ours lent us their cabin and I would go writing there for five days of the week by myself. And I would just seek the Lord. What is it? you know, what, what kind of song. And so I had the songs written within six weeks and then we started production on them and it was totally God's grace. Like when he calls us to do something, he'll give us the strength and the resources we need to fulfill it. It's not easy. And it takes, like I had to wrestle every day. Oh my gosh, I got this deadline. Am I going to have a song today? And some days it was, it was a battle. Nothing was coming. So we got to wrestle with God and, and, you know, walk through that journey of faith uh, as hard as it is, but God will see us through. And he did for that. It was quite an experience. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the EWTN story and it's still touching people 
uh, worldwide. Uh, once a week, they air one of our programs, and and it's really neat. We have a guy in actually Illinois who's seven, going to be 68. He's been in prison for 20 years, and he gets out in five years. He'll be close to 70. And Catch At is his favorite program. So we talk to him on the phone. He calls us quite frequently. And uh, it's been a real journey for him. He had a conversion, you know, through being in, in jail. And, uh, and he's just excited about his faith. And he just loves Catch At. So we've been, he talks to our kids once in a while. And we talk to him, Denise and I, mostly myself. And, you know, the chapters in his life are unfolding. And, and he's got a story. And it's really neat to see how God's working in that story. So that's how EWTN has touched from 70-year-olds down to, you know, three-year-olds. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's awesome, Gerald. I love that. You know, I was just thinking about that parable of the sower and how the seeds, you know, some fell mm. on dry ground, some on thorns and weeds. But others fell in a perfect spot, you know, where the sunshine hit it or the rain hit it. And it, it uh, <laughs> yeah. came forth and, and bore fruit and... You know, when we plant those seeds, Gerald, it doesn't happen overnight. And uh, I think just it's just a, a small example of, you know, how you've got a show once a week on EWTN that reaches the entire world that you did many years ago. But it was the, the, the show that you recorded several years ago. But the decision that you made was decades ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, it takes mm. it takes a while. Mm. But boy, when it uh, when the flower comes to bloom, it sure is something beautiful, isn't it? So I want to ask you too, mm. Gerald, uh, and I, I just thank you for the, the stories you've given. It's, it's just uh, awesome, and your insights, uh, it's, uh, it's been a blessing. But cancel culture, it seems to be coming for, mm. for us, uh, for people of faith, all people of faith, but in particular for men, you know, and I think that God really calls us to be not only leaders of our, our homes, but also in our communities. And uh, I think it's pretty scary for, for guys, but... To, to, to make that step in faith, to to be noticed, for people to point to us and say, that guy's a Catholic. You know, somebody points out and said, that guy's a Catholic. Uh, what does that mean? Like, I th- I'm thinking all men, it's in the back of your head. It's like, what are, what are they thinking about me? Am I am I going to be ostracized for believing in Jesus Christ and, and speaking the truth? But I want to ask you, Joe, what, what is your rule in life? What is something that you do every day as best you can without fail to, to grow in holiness particularly just for for yourself and whether that involves your family or, or mm-hmm. not but yeah what, what's your rule in life Gerald? Wow that's a great question David um, you know lately I've been really influenced by a, a, an evangelical by the name of Bob Goff and his motto and how he's lived his life is love and his first book was called love does his second book was called Everybody Always, Loving Everyone Always. And his, his message and his goal in life is to love every person that he comes in contact with. He rarely shares the gospel. He, he tries to live it as best he can, and he shares it only when he's asked at times. And what's challenging me now is, is the, the model that we, that we as Christians are called to be the hands and feet of Christ, um, especially to those who are opposing or who not so much opposing, but who we see that don't agree with our values. We don't, don't agree with what we may be thinking. And this opportunity we have with vaccines, with, you know, masks and the culture that we're living in, 
we have to be very careful that we're not judging others that aren't seeing the way we do. And the call to love is so important because when people feel loved, they'll feel trusted. And our lives, uh, by the actions that, that, we, that, we, that we provide for those that we're in contact with, will speak loud. So the, the call for me right now in the last couple of years has been to create opportunities to call somebody uh, that I'm struggling with or to call someone I haven't talked to in, in years. I recently heard of a friend that I went to high school with who got convicted uh, with uh, accused of sexual misconduct back in 95. And I called, I, I hadn't talked to him in years. And that call to love and to help him in this next chapter has just been convicting me. So these moments that I'm called to do these, these special acts, um, it's very challenging because it's not about, because they all know my life. People have been watching us. They know we're Catholic. They know the way we're living because we've been so public for the most part, uh, those that I'm connected with. So I don't need to speak the gospel. What they want to be, they want to be heard. They want to be loved. They want to be understood. And they don't want to be judged. They want to be accept, accepted by and respected by those that um, they're in contact with. So I'm practicing that uh, that mode to love those that God puts in my path by service. You know, uh, Bob Goff says we don't need we don't need prayer meetings or Bible studies. We need Bible doers. We need people to live the gospel. And I shared to the men's talk a men's talk that uh, you know one of the things the demons knew Jesus. The demons knew who Christ was. They bowed before him. When Jesus showed up, the demons said uh, so many different things that made them know that Jesus is God. They, the, the demons knew who Jesus was in Scripture. They know the Easter story. They know the, the, the Christmas story. And sometimes I'm challenged, am I, any, am I any different? I know in my head the Christmas story. I know the Easter story. But am I living what I know? And the talk was called Bridging the Gap. So basically, bridging the gap between knowing and doing. And doing, I think, we're falling short of, especially in this time. We know so much as Catholics. We know so much, uh, and yet we only live a small percentage of it. So that's the challenge for me, is to start living the gospel more and speaking less. And people are seeing uh, the gospel through the actions and the talks I'm having and the, the relationship I'm building with them. So that's kind of, that's a long version of where I'm at, but it's been a very good challenge for me. And, and I'm seeing the fruit, you know, people need to be loved and, uh, and cherished and respected and they'll see Christ in that. I think that's timely, Gerald, because uh, I was going to ask you about your thoughts of this whole, this whole virus that's really swept through the world and, and in Canada, as we record this, we're still really embroiled in a real struggle between, I call it the science and the political science that mm -hmm. seems to be kind of upon us. Yes. Do you feel that we've, as Catholics, yeah. we've, we've missed an opportunity, Gerald? I know I do in my heart. I feel like we've missed an opportunity to really present our Eucharistic Lord to the world. Um, and the first thing that we, we didn't do in Canada, not, not a very effectively and even worse in some cases is that um, for whatever reason, we didn't fight 
to consider Catholic mass, uh, an essential service. And we just, we just mm-hmm. didn't, we just didn't do it. You know, it was, it was too easy for mm-hmm. our secular authorities to say that church is something you can do through Skype or zoom. And I look at the example of a guy like St. Charles Borromeo, you know, and I know you've got a, a great devotion mm-hmm. to many saints too. And I think we can learn so many lessons from the past and how he handled an actual mm-hmm. pandemic an actual real plague. And it was all sacramental. Mm-hmm. It was, everything was driven by the sacraments and for a love for souls. And, uh, you know, he was just an amazing example, but he got everybody to buy in. Every Catholic mm-hmm. in Milan at that time was, was totally buying in. And there weren't all Catholics there. There were some that weren't Catholic. They took care of them too. Um, where, do you, mm-hmm. where do you foresee the church in Canada, especially in Alberta and Saskatchewan? We've been, I would say, blessed in some ways is that we have been able to have mass most of the time for people to, to attend, even though there's been some restrictions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are your thoughts on where do we go from here in the church in Canada specifically um, mm-hmm. and how we can we can turn this around and tell the world that Jesus is an essential service. The Eucharist is an essential service. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a challenge because we're kind of fighting two things. We're fighting the the system, the, the, the governmental system, but we're also fighting uh, in a sense, um, you know, we're fighting the church in the sense that, you know, so many uh, leaders in the church are, are just, my perspective is they're, they're caving into the demands that, that the government is asking. And I see the value in that. And I see the importance and I see the heart of the leaders is to protect and to, to do what they perceive as right for the people. But we seem to have, when I read the lives of the saints and I read the history of the church, it was the church that went out to help those who were sick. It was the church. They didn't cave in. They didn't isolate. Uh, they, the church went out risking their lives to help those who were sick, to help those who may be struggling. So something got shifted. And, and you know, that's a whole other discussion. But I think if we as a church can live the gospel and challenge others by just sharing the importance of the Eucharist, the importance of of mass, the importance of uh, living a godly life, and you know we've we've had some small chats with our bishops, uh, not bishops but bishop of our diocese, and we've been very open to discussion and and uh, so those are challenging things to to get through. But I think if our heart is in the right place, and we're not. We're not giving into the fears of the world, the fears that the government is giving us through social media and all the media outlets. It's a culture of fear. And, and the weird thing is isolation is a form of torture. It was used in the past as a form of torture. And I think the enemy is doing that to isolate community, community life, to isolate families away from each other. And it's creating... Uh, it's creating a culture of of uh, of fear and of isolation that has been very dangerous and causing so much harm. So if we can somehow, you know, Christ came to set us free. His His word sets us free. So reading a book by Ralph Martin called um, Pathways Forward: uh, The Church in Crisis. It's called My Devotion and Love for Scripture excelled so much because of 
of he brought it to life just despite what's going on in the church, despite what's happening in the world. That is ultimately our, our only source. And if we can point people to Christ, that he is the rock we need to stand on, God will give us the words we need to say to those we encounter. The people that we're, we're, uh, we're up against, um, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And we need to be fed daily on what it is Christ wants us to do. This mission we have at this point in time is so crucial. We need to embrace it as an opportunity. This is exciting. If we can tap into what God wants to do in our own lives, we'll become an army that's going to make a difference. But it takes that contemplation of what it is Christ is calling us to so that we can be active contemplatives in the world and make a difference by the words we say and what we say and doing it with humility and love. And I struggle with that. You know, we just recently had a prayer time at our shrine before we came to the lake here last week. And, and one of the leaders there wasn't a priest, it was just a parishioner, said this beautiful psalm, uh, read from a paper, and it was a beautiful psalm about trusting in God's providence, uh, going through the valley of sickness and death. And then, you know, we're all encouraged. And then she says, <laughs> but don't take this to heart because we need to, still get all vaccinated and wear masks because that's where uh, God wants us to be obedient to him. So it was like, what? It was a weird turnaround, basically saying, God's not, this is just words. God's not going to protect you. You need to put your faith in, in, in other things. And I'm not saying not to, but I'm saying, let's flip that around here. Let's put our trust in God. Let's put our faith in, in Christ um, and use common sense to what may be happening in the world common sense has been lost and the whole thing of science and politics being played out let's be aware let's put our our spiritual eyes on and say lord what is truth here so be truth seekers uh that's another part so yeah i could go on and on about this but but it's so important that we be rooted in christ and we become humility to those that we encounter so that they want to listen to us you know, on on the last note that you, you mm. said, I've St. Augustine says, you know, sin darkens the intellect. And if we live in a state of mm. mortal sin, we're going to say some really silly things. And Catholics are not immune to that. You know, uh, I believe it was one of the Pope, uh, Pope Pius, the, was it the fourth, I believe, or the fifth that said, uh, you know, the the worst Catholics or the, wor- the, the reason for all the, the problems in the world are due to uh, lukewarm Catholics, is what he said. And... Mm. Um, I think of that often. And, and the other thing I want to leave you with too and, and leave our listeners is that there's never, I've never seen, and if somebody could prove me wrong, please send uh, some documentation to me. I certainly stand corrected if need be, but I don't believe a, a virus or any kind of illness has ever been transmitted through uh, our parish communities receiving the body and blood of Christ. I don't think that's ever happened in history. So again, mm. I stand corrected if somebody yeah, uh, right. chooses to uh, to send me something. Yeah, but, for sure. uh, Gerald, uh, again, I, I thank you so much. And you know what? Your ministry keeps going, which is which is beautiful. And that's, uh, I also wanted to make sure that uh, our listeners know that too, even though uh, some of your main cast members are getting a little bit older now, <laughs> they're having kids of their own, uh, you're still actively involved <laughs> yeah, in the Cat yeah. Chat ministry. So tell us a little bit about what you and Denise and, and your family are, are up to right now and how people can get a hold of you and, and your material. Yeah, for sure. We we have different programs. Uh, we just finished a Lenten series that uh, the kids put together, which was a great success for families. By the grace of God, they 
Yeah, it was so cool to see the, the fruit from that. So catchat.ca, C-A-T, C-H-A-T, so cat chat. It's short for catholicchat.ca. You'll see all our resources there. Uh, and, you know, in the U.S., things are opening up, and we hadn't had churches do our vacation Bible school program for the last uh, two summers, uh, or the last summer, and we were thinking this summer, but, but now where the programs are getting uh, bought, which was a blessing because that was a, a tougher year for us. But uh, yeah, Vacation Bible School this summer, if you're interested, it's a great way to reach your, uh, your, your parish kids. We have six different programs and uh, yeah, they've been an effective tool for teaching the sacraments and making the faith come alive. So you can look catch at .ca, all the info's there. I highly recommend that too, because those vacation Bible schools, there's some, there's some, or Bible camps, there's some good Protestant programs out there. And I know our <laughs> parish used to, to use them, but uh, if we want to really pass along the legacy of faith, it's important to have Catholic content. And we've been using the cat chat materials for the, well, it's been a, a couple of years, as Gerald said, because of the way the world is right now. But uh, the feedback has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kids start having a love for the saints and the sacraments and it's, it's outstanding. So Gerald, thanks again for everything awesome. you're doing and uh, appreciate your time very much. And I hope uh, we can stay in touch and uh, chat again soon. Wonderful. Thank you for your time, David. And and I, I don't know why I want to, uh, well, I should share too, Denise and I's heart is also with, with marriages. And this during this time, marriages are getting such a hit. Um, so so I encourage you to look for marriage resources for your and be intentional with your wives. Men out there, if we are the spiritual leaders and we need to take initiative to help our wives grow in the faith and for ourselves. And uh, you can also go to Catholic Marriage and Family.com. There's, uh, we have a website there and we're going to be posting some things that are hopefully in the future to help marriages. Well, big thanks again to Gerald for joining us on this episode of the Catholic Connect podcast and a couple of great websites to direct you to. Catchat.ca has got all kinds of great information about Catchat itself. And I really highly recommend VBS, that Vacation Bible School for Kids. It's an authentic Catholic program. And as things clear up in the world and we can have these sorts of events for our youth, I just highly recommend that you bring in this program for your parish. You can also find a lot more great content from Cat Chat and from Gerald and his family as to what they're up to right now. And at the end of our conversation, I also wanted to bring up that uh, they've got a great ministry too that's directed towards marriages and boy we need more holy marriages in our world don't we and that website is catholicmarriageandfamily.com you'll get some more information on strengthening your marriage and some programs that are available through that website and through some of the work that Gerald and his wife Denise are doing right now so thanks again everyone for listening to the podcast man it is another great day that the Lord has made I'm so glad that you came to join us and listen to this conversation and uh, more great stuff around the corner. I'm just so thankful for all the feedback I've been getting. Journeying in faith with you has been so fantastic. And getting to meet so many of you, not only from Canada, but from all around the world. The church is truly universal. And that's one of the things I want to highlight to you if you're not a Catholic. Has anybody ever invited you to join our ranks? I'm inviting you right now. If you have any questions, so many good resources online that you can get. Or even just reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you on the journey to the fullness of the Christian faith, and that is becoming a Catholic. And to those of you who are Catholics already, you know how we got to be if we want to be a truly transforming power in this world that Jesus wants us to be. To make disciples of all nations was his last great command before he ascended into heaven. So 
It's so important that we live a sacramental life, receive communion worthily as often as possible, and to go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.